Howdy, everybody, and welcome to another BP Movie Journal, the show we do where we talk about the stuff we've seen since the last time we did one of these. I'm David. I'm Tyler. Uh, and when I say we talk about the stuff we've seen, we don't we don't actually talk about everything. We've correct seen because um, sometimes we're preparing for a profile episode like we have coming up this week, and obviously I don't want to yeah. talk about those on here because we're going to be talking about them on the episode. Uh, uh, and I also don't I don't count every I do have a rewatch today, but I don't count every rewatch. Um, we did re not only I did rewatch Casino the other night, and I don't to say about Casino. I like it still. Okay. Um, but uh, so that's why I only have a couple movies. You've only got one. I'm assuming for similar reasons. Also preparing for yes the profile, and also you have two <laughs> very small children, which I'm sure take up a lot of your time. Yeah, it's frustrating. I you know like I tend to get frustrated by profiles because it means I have to watch something that I can't talk about on the movie journal, which means people are going to be like, why are we even listening to Tyler? He's, he's, See, he doesn't watch your, movies. That's your imposter syndrome. Thing. Yeah, I know. Like, people aren't thinking that. <laughs> I no, would say I the average person, if they, if they download a short movie journal, they're like, Oh good. More time for other podcasts. Maybe that's just how sure. I think. You know what, though? You and I, we say that, but every time we have a super long episode, like we did recently with Mariah, uh, people are always like, all oh, right, how exciting. Yeah. And yeah, uh, and I get it. You know, I, I once upon a time had a fairly long commute and, and it, it can be nice when something takes up the whole time to and from. Hey, speaking of podcasts, I said this uh, on an episode you weren't on uh, a while back. Okay. Um, my wife, Natalie, and I are starting a podcast. We've actually yes. started banking some. And again, I want to put it out there. Uh, I put it out there in the episode uh, with, with with Angie at the end of the episode that if anyone uh, uh, wants to reach out about uh, designing a, a logo and doing a theme song, we've already had some response on the logo. No one's responded on the theme song. But right. uh, I, I just thought because I put that out at the end of an episode, maybe people had already turned and did it off. So sure. I thought I'd mention it again here. So if you have, uh, like I said, we've had some interest in, we have, we have some good leads on, on logo design, uh, logo designs for the podcast, but uh, nothing on a theme song. So if anyone uh, thinks they can contribute something, uh, email me at David at Okay. Are you mad that I did that? No, not at all. I'm, 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 restraining myself from texting my musician friend. Uh, well, I have a couple of di different musician friends and saying like, Hey, I've got a job for you. No, no money. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, I mean, we might, you know, we're not super well off, but we could, you know, sure. A little, we could pay a little bit. All right. Um, okay. So uh, yeah, that, I just wanted to say that, but let's leap into the movies. Uh, both my movies today are from the same director, but I'll start with my first one uh, where I watched chronologically. It's also the first chronologically in his filmography. I watched 2013's Newlyweeds, directed by Shaka King. Okay. Um, bad title, I admit. I, I will admit sure. that's a bad title. Uh, not only is it just a bad title on its face, it's also not really a good... Like, what do you think Newlyweeds is about, Tyler? I would assume it is about uh, a newly married couple that gets into growing and uh, selling uh, marijuana. 
Yeah, uh, it's not about that at all. It's at about all. A couple, it's about a, a couple who were not married, not recently married or any other kind of married. Um, and they both do smoke pot regularly, but that's okay. not really what the movie's about. Uh, it, it's it's really about, it, it's kind of a, um, it's a very good movie. That's the thing. That's the reason I kind of pick on the name is because yeah. it's actually a very good movie. Um uh, and it's it's about a couple kind of uh, growing apart, but the movie's also kind of a comedy. Um, it's often very funny. There's like, you know, hijinks and stuff. Like, okay, here's here's a scene, here's a scenario that uh, uh, we, I kind of kind of gets to the heart of the balance of tone in this movie. The main guy, the actor's name is Amari Cheatham. Um, barely even know him. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say Amari uh, Cheatham and how I was going to go yeah. with a different, uh, <laughs> That's a better one. Yeah. Um, Oh, who was the guest star on 30 rock? Who was a lawyer? Was it Wayne Brady? He was a lawyer. I, I think so. Yes. A lawyer from the, the firm of Dewey Cheatham and Livingston. Yeah. Uh, one of those great 30 rock jokes. Anyway. So here's, uh, so Amari Cheatham, the, the, the character or the, the actor plays a character named Lyle. Uh, his job is he works for like a rent to own company and he's just drives around and repossesses things that people haven't are behind on their payments on. Um, and there's this one lady who's like real, you know, uh, sharp about like not uh, about, about avoiding him. And, and so he does this whole thing where he dresses up as like, a harmless old man and like sneaks his way into her building. And so it's like, like I said, hijinks, sure. but also the fact of this, like guy who's a lower income guy, who's forced to take things away from other people who were struggling. Like the movie doesn't paper over that either. It's also very sad and like hard scrabble at the same time. And mm-hmm. the movie really balances these two, these two tones that it's like, it's kind of almost a stoner comedy, but it's also like a, verite-ish slice of life at the same time. Hmm. Uh, very good. Um, Amari Cheatham, like I said, is the, the main actor. Uh, the uh, His not-wife, uh, the character's name is Nina, and for some reason, starts with a T. Uh, Trey Harris is her name. Um, and uh, there's a couple of other uh, name actors who 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 show up uh, in it. Uh, Isaiah Whitlock Jr. Who? Oh, all right. So the, uh, uh, it's a great turn from him because I feel like he normally plays like either people in power, like politicians mm-hmm. and cops, or kind of like dorks, I guess. Like, yeah. Um, even in the Five Bloods, he's kind of a dorky. He's a little. He's kind of dorky. Yeah. He's a huge dork on Veep, uh, but he's also a, a, a politician. He's a that. dork in power. Um, yeah. Um, but uh, here, so uh, Lyle gets gets locked up at one point um, for disturbing the peace or something. He's in a holding cell, and uh, uh, Isaiah would like again balancing tones. He plays another guy in the lockup who's like dressed ridiculous like these oversized like purple velour tracksuit type of like okay. ridiculous just like chatting like motor mouth chatting people up uh, 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 you know a, a mile a minute but also is kind of a threatening guy at the same time uh, it's a that's a gr- it's a great little if this if, if if it were currently 2013 it would definitely be a contender right. for the um the 
Bruce McGill award, the Bruce, Bruce, Bruce McGill, McGill and the, the insider, insider yeah. award for best performance under 15 minutes of screen time. Um, um, Coleman Domingo, uh, an actor oh, who I okay, now, yeah. uh, love. This is um, not that I didn't love him here, but this is, I think, I might not have, if I had seen this in 2013, I might not have known who he uh, right. is first. Uh, he plays uh, uh, one of Nina's co-workers at the museum where she works, who's clearly, you know, he would like to be a threat to their relationship. Got it. Whether, whether or not she's into it, uh, you'd have to watch the movie to find out. Um and then the other actor I want to point out, uh, Hassan Johnson, better known as Weebay from The Wire, mm. uh, plays their dealer and also kind of like friend and confidant. Um, it's anyway, I, I just like run down the cast and the basic premise, but it's it's a really, really good movie um, uh, and clocks in at only 87 minutes. Um, and I definitely recommend it. Unfortunate title, though, that re- you 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 nailed it. Like it is, uh, it makes you wonder how they arrived at, at it. It's, it's an odd, yeah. odd yeah. turn of events, but you know what? Hey, like I, I don't necessarily love the title of my own film. So, uh, which, uh, which is real redemption, R E E L, uh, available at faith life TV. Um, but I also know it wasn't my first second third fourth choice and uh and so maybe it was that situation okay. here i don't know um okay so uh i that i have a rewatch as well a movie you and i both uh, adore but i haven't seen in many years uh and that is carl franklin's one false move oh yeah. um and which we talked about on the patreon we did in february and we did a black history month uh yeah episode about about uh we, we recommended um uh, sort of somewhat under the radar, though probably not to our savvy listenership, right. uh, American movies by black directors. Um, yeah. And uh, that's the kind of uh, great content you get if you sign up over at uh, patreon.com slash battleship pretension. That's right. It's a great way to uh, to support the show. And, uh, and also you get, you know, content like that, which is, you know, you're, you're going to find out about good movies by good directors. And then sometimes... We just play a fun game, you know, uh, which is what we did this week. And uh, and people will probably probably they could enjoy it. Uh, I probably shouldn't use this week to sell the Patreon. I don't know. I mean, yeah, but I mean, that's just how I felt about when we used back when we used to be able to leave our homes. We used to see celebrities sometimes and we would right. do uh, celebrity guests, celebrity sighting, like guess what celebrity I saw as yeah. like an entire episode and people always love them <laughs> yeah so i guess it's uh the silly stuff is fun but also like you said uh we get into some other content so patreon.com slash battleship pretension um two dollars five dollars or ten dollars depending that's on correct what, yes on what you want yeah do you want to see us i wouldn't but some people that apparently 10 do bucks a month. that's ten dollars a month yeah <laughs> leaving the money on the dresser <laughs> um it's ten dollars to watch uh so okay uh yeah so i mean we both we both love the film uh pretty much everybody i know that has seen it really likes the movie um it it was essentially i've talked about this this weekly uh movie club that i do with some friends from chicago and uh, it was my week to to pick the movie and i realized and i was thinking like you know what i haven't seen one false move in a while and i don't think anybody here had seen it so i rewatched. it's my probably my third time watching it uh the last time was man i'm gonna say eight years ago maybe longer 
And, you know, I still had a pretty good memory for it because I think the, it just, it's just such a, a wonderful film on, on every level. I love that screenplay. And I love that. Like you essentially have, I'd say two main characters, uh, which is Bill Paxton, and Cinder Williams, but you still, ha- but you have like four more solid supporting characters. And then you also have uh, like, like uh, Paxton's wife, who's only in a couple of scenes, but she's so well-written and well-acted and you just get such a sense of who these people are and what their priorities are and what they're like. And, but the script is not overwritten. Like there are moments where a character will do something without verbalizing what they're doing, but we know exactly why they're doing it. Um, and the script is, is uh, co-written by Billy Bob Thornton, who plays one of the characters. Uh, and it's to me, a note of humility that he, he probably could have, he didn't direct the movie, but he probably could have played whatever character he wanted. Uh, and he chose a really, uh, maybe the most unlikable character in the film, uh, if for no other reason than his uh, horrendous ponytail. And so it's, so it, it is a, a strong character story. It's, it does what Billy Bob Thornton likes to do uh, as a writer and a director, which is explore relations between races black and white specifically and looking at different economic uh levels and the things that like yeah when when you're living in a poor southern town there's not that much that will actually separate black and white except their own mentality uh white like white characters thinking that they're better and maybe kind of clinging to that because it's like the only thing they have so uh so I just, I love that there's, and yet like that's there, but that's not, it doesn't sacrifice the thriller elements. It doesn't sacrifice the character elements uh, in order to explore this theme. It's just, it's just there, not necessarily in the background. Sometimes it's very much in the foreground, but, uh, and it's, and it's brutally violent. That's something that you'd think I would have remembered, but I didn't, I forgot how horrendously violent it is. Uh, I was watching it with Jen and after the, the initial uh, burst of violence, which includes characters getting uh, stabbed and all of that. um, She looked at me and said like, why did, why are you making us watch this? (laughs) And immediately I was like, Oh boy, people like, I knew the people in the group was like, Oh, they're not going to like this part. Um, But that, but the film I think uses its violence very well to really play to really emphasize what the threat is and what the stakes are uh, to say nothing again of, of Bill Paxson's performance. It is our favorite uh, performance by him. He has to, he has to juggle so much. Uh, he has to be funny and breezy and, and confident, uh, sometimes being annoying, but also kind of delightful. And then when yeah. you find out more about him, he has to be able to pivot to that without seeming like he's playing an entirely new character. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just revelations about a character, you know, and he's able to make that work too. It really, it's a wonderful, great performances all around, but he really stands out as he should, uh, as the lead. But, um, yeah, so, 
uh, listeners, if you have not seen One False Move, certainly we've talked about it enough on the show. But uh, but I was I was so glad to rewatch it. It certainly it certainly bears repeated watches so that you can really appreciate the craftsmanship um, of Carl Franklin and just his ability to like keep you genuinely like on the edge of your seat the whole time. Um, I was going to say something, but then I realized saying it would. Uh, reveal what me and Natalie's podcast is about, which I don't oh, want right. to uh, um, don't want to do yet. Okay. Uh, all right. So the third and final movie of the uh, podcast this is going to be a short one. Yeah. Um, having watched Newly Weeds, uh, director Shaka King's first film, I decided to rewatch director Shaka King's second film, Judas and the Black Messiah. Oh, this all is right. a movie I watched two months ago, and I'm now rewatching uh already and um i'll tell you i'll I'll tell you and the listeners why uh for the time being at least my monthly column at film independent is coming back uh which is the someone we watched column in which i um look at someone who won the someone to watch award at the independent spirit awards and i compare the film they won for with their most recent work and see you know what what uh what similarities in their style and authorship uh, uh um, remain um how far they've come what the, all that sort of thing so i'm there uh, i'm saying I, I don't know when the one on shaka king is being published i just sent it to film independent today um but uh, very happy to say uh keep an eye on the film independent blog um uh for for that i don't know how, i don't know for how long it's it's back either um but anyway so that's why I in the meantime cha-ching right <laughs> yeah yes <laughs> they paid a big bucks uh, no they, they uh, i can't complain yeah um anyway so uh so yeah i don't want to say too much more because i've a i've already talked about judas and black messiah on the bp movie journal and i've reviewed it and I've got this other write-up thing coming. So I don't want to exhaust all my possibilities for Judas and the Black Messiah. I will say I liked it even better the second time. I think it's... Okay. Uh, I'll repeat what I said before. It feels like a throwback to like 90s prestige, star-driven American mm-hmm. filmmaking. You know, I compared it to, <clears throat> to, to movies... Um, uh to a movie like uh donnie brasco is i think the the oh, nice comparison i made um in my previous review um so and I, so i'll say i so I, I really liked the movie even more the second time i think the thing that i'll focus on because i didn't mention this in any other uh or didn't delve into this at least in any of the other uh times i discussed the movie um i spent so i i feel like i spent a lot of time you know i'm a pretty politically i'm a pretty leftist guy mm-hmm but I feel like I spend a lot of time on the podcast when it comes to movies that have left-wing ideals sort of trash talking them because a lot of times uh, I, I, I feel like um, they're driven by their agenda and therefore yeah. it, it, it makes the whole affair um, superficial uh, a sure. lot of the times and condescending and, and uh, choir preaching to sort of that, that's that sort of thing. Um, and so here I think we have a movie that actually has a lot to say and, and, and carries a lot of examples about um, the certain thing, like certainly the, the, the dehumanizing effect of uh, law enforcement over, 
over policing neighborhoods of of color and poor people uh, the movie makes sure to include uh puerto ricans and poor whites uh in in the movie as well um i i think the movie you can step back and say like well this movie really made a case for how uh, uh violence and crime might actually be exacerbated by um by a tyrannical uh, law enforcement uh, uh presence but the thing is it makes that that's not making that point is not the the what the movie is uh, about it's telling the story it's delving into right. character um it has fantastic performances fantastic sequences on their own that are just uh 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 thrilling and intense no matter who's whether you're on the black panther side or the cop side um i mean if you're on the cop side you probably might find some problems to, with this movie sure, sure. <laughs> but i'm saying that's not that's not the that's not the point i guess is what i'm saying and I, and I think judas and the black messiah is a better movie uh in, in t- a more persuasive argument in favor of its uh, its point of view than movies that spend the entire movie shouting their point of view. I think that's something that it's, it seems counterintuitive that, well, surely if I lead with my, uh, I don't want to say agenda, that sounds maybe too, too negative, but if I lead with my uh, thematic goals, then surely it'll come through and it will be more persuasive because it's going to be overt. And in many ways, it's like, yeah, I, I, I can't think, I can't imagine how I could argue with that except to point to any number of movies that do that and say, no, they're, shr- they're often shrill mm-hmm. uh, or, or self-congratulatory. And Whereas like if you if you just trust them, I would say because there's a true story, if you trust the material and you just do justice to the material, mm-hmm. it'll work itself out, you know, and I, it's and this goes back to what I was what I've often said about Christian film is that like, you know, it's. You may, yeah, you may not, uh, sorry, I hear kids crying, damn it. Uh, that always, it always throws me, even though you'd think it's a, a sound I would get used to, <laughs> but um but yeah, like you, if you make the, your themes like covert, not to suggest secretive, but if you don't, if you don't ha- if you don't lead with them, uh, then you can focus on artistry. You can focus on structure. You can focus on all of these other things. And that can just be an undercurrent, but that's the problem is I feel like a lot of, a lot of filmmakers, when it comes right down to it, I don't think they trust the audience. It's like, I have a goal and I want to get a message across, but I can't trust that they'll get it unless I shout it from the rooftops. Um, and that's something that, that always, that always bothers me, regardless of, of who the filmmaker is, what the movie is like when a director doesn't trust the audience to get there on, yeah. with just the, with, with just through good filmmaking uh, that will always not merely turn me off. It, it will probably make me hate the movie. Uh, if I'm being yeah. honest, uh, it's like trying to pop a balloon by punching it. 